0: Welcome to the Leader's Journey podcast, brought to you by the University of West Florida's College of Business. My name is Tim Kinsella, and I am the Executive Director of the ailestock Increase and Overhaul Center for Leadership here at the University of West Florida. Dive in with us as we explore the true meaning of the Leader's Journey, and how we can recognize and nurture transformative moments in our life to become the leader our people need in a rapidly evolving world. Together, we will explore the true meaning of leadership. We will explore hard truths of leadership wipe away the fog of leadership myths, and give you a clear vision of how you can be the leader of tomorrow. Let's embark on this journey together. Welcome to the Leader's Journey podcast. I'm delighted to have with me today a very, very special guest, Dr. Martha Saunders, the University of West Florida president, and also my boss, Dr. Saunders has had an absolutely wonderful career in education. She's held just about every position in higher education. She's a native of Mississippi. She got her bachelor's at Southern Miss in French, her master's from the University of Georgia in journalism, and a PhD in communication theory from Florida State University. She was the chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. She was the ninth president of the University of Southern Mississippi. And of course, now she is the president of the University of West Florida. While at Southern Miss, she got $250 million in building projects over five years, which is pretty amazing. It completely transformed that university. She is the recipient of the Public Relations Society of America's highest award, the Silver Anvil. And she received it not once, but twice, because she's very good at her job in communications. And we're going to find out why. So we're really excited to talk with President Saunders. I hope you all enjoy it. Hello, we are here with Dr. Martha Saunders, the President of the University of West Florida. How are you today, President? I'm grand. Good, grand. That's a good Irish way of saying it. I love it. I love it. And you're wearing a beautiful Kelly Green sweater. Yes, I am. That's excellent. So here at the Leader's Journey podcast, we try and understand what makes you the leader that you are today. What are the things in your life that um, were seminal moments or experiences that happened in your life? And that starts from the very, very early stage. And I've heard you talk about this before and it was really interesting to me um and it's about your mom you're, you're there are two people in the world that are my favorite people is teachers and nurses because everything that teachers and nurses do uh they're doing it for somebody else they're doing it to help other people reach a plateau for them to reach their fullest potential to get better or to be better human beings or just to get better so your mom was a nurse tell me how your mother influenced the type of leader you are today?
1: My mother was a very good nurse. And back then she did private duty nursing. And what was interesting, that was before ICUs. I don't want to date myself, but before ICUs, if you were really sick, you had round-the-clock nurses. Mm -hmm. And so there would, until you got well or didn't need a nurse anymore. And she did that because it paid better. But when she would take a case, she worked seven days a week wow. until the... There were no weekends for her. She worked until the case was finished. And in those days, it could. she had some patients that she had months without a single day off. Wow. And so I certainly learned the value of committing to your work. Yeah. She was also just that good at it. I mean, our, our house was... Every night there were white stockings hanging on the rack and white shoes having just been polished mm-hmm. and a, a cap. Uh, then nurses wore their caps, a starched cap on the side of the refrigerator, always ready mm-hmm. to be worn. So she she was very disciplined, mm-hmm. also very good. And then years later, even uh, after she died, I, I had doctors tell me that she was the best of the best. Mm-hmm. They said that she didn't panic, that other nurses would sometimes panic and maybe call them unnecessarily. But they said when Ms. Dunegan called, we came running. Yeah. So she knew her patients yeah. and she had an intuition for the work and was just so very committed. So it never occurred to me that everybody didn't work
0: 24-7. So would you say that she was your first inspiration or your first model? Absolutely. Yes. She was I mean
1: that was how people did things and yeah. I didn't know any better. Yeah. And I thought that's you know, that's how
0: everybody worked. It's it's funny, it's only now I'm realizing the influence that my parents had on my work ethic. And you just take it for granted when you're younger. It's not until you're older, you look back and you're like, ah, that's why I do things. Wow. Do.
1: And that's yeah. how how she, you know, yeah. she got us started. And she and my sister and I, there were just the two of us, she was also we were her work. Mm. We were her daughters, and she yeah. loved us and all of that, but we were her work, yeah. and we were her product, yeah. and we, we were not, uh, not going to disappoint.
0: You, um, you mentioned something there about your mother. A uh, doctor said she was calm in a crisis. Um, and that's something that you do. Crisis management is a, a forte for you, let's say. Um, why is it important that you're quiet in a crisis, calm, let's say?
1: Well, one of the things I've learned and done a lot of studying on crisis is that when you think of crisis, you know, you have societal crisis, global crisis, like we had with, with the pandemic, you have, but when you bring it down to the core, you have individuals in crisis and they're worried about themselves. So you have the organization, you have the small groups, you have all of that, but it At the end of the day, there's one person in crisis, it's very important that they have a leader that can at least say, look, we're all in it together. I don't have all the answers, but I'm here for you, and we're going to do this together. And I think that that has a very calming effect, and people will listen, but they crave leadership in a crisis more than any other time.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I love that comment about distilling it down to the individual, because crises, when it comes down to it, are about people. I don't care what the material thing is. It's all about people. That's right. And once you've taken care of the safety and the immediate necessities, it's all about taking care of the people. And that's exactly your dead on it's, it's about that leadership. Um, I'm very curious. Um, I, I mentioned in the intro that you are the recipient of a silver anvil, not once but twice. Um, what did you receive a so ramble for?
1: The first one was for a campaign we did for this university mm-hmm. called the Just To It campaign. And I'll have to tell you a little bit of a story. We had a murder on campus. A student was leaving night class and a man who had been released by mistake from a prison in Indiana had found his way down here Stalked, had a, a type, uh, grabbed her, took her into the nature trail, and murdered her on campus. Oh my goodness. The president at the time did all the right things, uh, had, you know, was the leader, had uh, uh, conversations, spoke with people, but he called me in and my colleague, who I taught public relations, my colleague was an advertising professor. And he said, I've done all I can do to make this, this campus safe. You know, we've added patrols, we've added lights, we've done all of that. But people are going to have to start taking responsibility for their own safety. How will we do that? So Tom and I put our heads together and put together a campaign. We stole it from Nike that we call just to it. Mm-hmm. And it followed the common sense that your parents taught you that there's safety in numbers, and if you're using the facilities at a, you know at very late at night, don't be alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we had signs and advertisements and all kinds of, of things. We were able to measure uh, the number the number of times people called the escort service, and I had my graduate students actually sitting outside the computer center with clickers to see who was alone and who wasn't but and and it was a silly little slogan but you would hear people say hey let's just do it to the parking lot because it you know late at night maybe it made them feel better and so we took it and it won all kind of awards it also won a uh, an addy a national addy but the one that had my name on it is the silver anvil so that was the first one
0: that's awesome. Yeah. That's a, good, it's a sad story. but it...
1: Well, it was a sad story, and we didn't ever want it to happen again. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so you, you've held just about every position in leadership in a university in higher education. Yes. Uh, and leadership in the universities, for especially higher education, is quite unique in shared governance, how you lead in a shared governance. So for, for our non-higher education types, could you explain to us what shared governance is?
1: Well, shared governance is having all the right people at the table assisting in making decisions. Everyone has a voice. Everyone doesn't necessarily have a vote, but they have a voice. Mm -hmm. And the, the key to doing it well in our world for a leader is to be able to see around the corner. You have to get in front of an issue in time to bring the group together. And, and talk to them about, you know, we, we're populated by a lot of smart people yeah. who can help reason and analyze and think, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to get it to them in time. Yeah. And so I think that's been the challenge in shared governance, but it also pays off if you do it well. yeah, Because you have all these smart people helping you make
0: decisions. And you have buy-in from them.
1: You do. Well, you hope you do, and even if the decision doesn't go uh, with their recommendation, I think if there has been time to discuss, I always make a point of telling people, if you were sitting where I am, you might do it differently, but here's what I'm doing, and here's why, Mm -hmm. and I heard you, and I heard you, and I heard (laughs) you, but having taken all of this under advisement, this is the way we're going to go, and I've never had people resent that very much, even they, they may think it's a stupid idea, yeah. but at least they've been
0: consulted. Did, um, to the, there's a lot of lessons there to be learned uh, in just leadership in general. I, I always try to tell my direct reports, people who work for me, um, I may not agree with you, I may not uh, do what you would like I would do, but I will always listen to you.
1: Not only that, they have a responsibility to advise me. No holding back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I, I remind them that often. It's not just a privilege. Mm-hmm. It is a responsibility to yeah. tell me what they think.
0: Yeah, it's a burden almost. And then you have the burden that it's your job to listen to. You, yes. You've, you've got to give them the opportunity to get it off their chest so at least they felt hurt. I've listened to you speak before, and, and I heard a, a quote by you. You said, the job is the job is the job. In other words, the, the job requires what the job requires. Yes. And and I love that. It, it uh, goes along with um, my idea of leadership is being the leader that your people need at that point. So you do whatever the job is required to give them what they need. And that's a lot. I see you doing that a lot here in, in the university. Could you just talk about the idea of the job as a job as a job?
1: Well, recently... <laughs> someone had the temerity to ask me about work-life balance. <laughs> I said, what is that? What is that? I said, because your 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 job is your life. And it's not a matter of balancing one unrelated side of your life to the other. You You blend the two. And sometimes you have to, it's all about the job. And then sometimes it's not so much about the job. In theater, one of my son's it's an actor. They have, uh, they call it taking turns, taking the lead. And so I see that sometimes in leadership as well. The I don't have to be at the front of the line the whole time. There are mm-hmm. others that can move in and, yeah. and fill the dialogue as well. But it is, you will do the job
0: yeah.
1: as best you can until you hand it over to somebody else. And that is that.
0: So that is the, um, I I agree with you, and the topic du jour is work-life balance. How do we find work-life balance? And yes, the job is, you gotta do what the job requires. And at times, I always say, if somebody says to me, if I'm in a crisis and they say, hey, man, I hope you're you're getting rest, I hope you're getting sleep, there's no such thing as resting in a crisis. If I'm resting during a crisis, then I'm not getting the job done. Correct. Um, You prepare for a crisis before the crisis, that's when you get your rest. And you well,
1: and food. you take care of yourself. Yeah, too. I mean, I think it is very important that you take care of yourself physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. And there, but those are not things you you can crowd into one piece. You, it's mm-hmm. a part, very much a part of this life that we yeah. have that yeah. you have to. And, and of course, the longer you do this, the better you're able to. Kind of pull back and say you know i'm going to go sit this one out yeah. and i'm going to let someone else take this that, that, important thing to do because i, I need this it's not that important i need to sit this one out
0: but that requires a certain trust with the people that you work with oh, and work yeah. for you to do that absolutely so you you've right? got to have the team
1: yeah. that you can turn it over to and that will call you if they get in a mess yeah you know sometimes we have people that work with us that don't want you to know they mm-hmm. don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I'm very quick to tell people I don't have all the answers, mm-hmm. but and then it'll get worse before I get brought back in, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen. Not with my team now. We've, it's a pretty good, pretty. We had a retreat last week, and uh, I, I'm impressed when how very vigorously they advocate for their side, yeah. and not. In any, if, well, it's kind of combative, but not disrespectful, yeah. uh, but certainly saying their piece on what they think needs to be done. And yeah. I came back with a fistful of notes that I'm still digesting.
0: No, that's good. Yeah. Um, and it's just the last thing on that work life balance you just just got my mind going there. Um, about it, this is not to say that you shouldn't have a work life balance. It's just that the job requires you've got to find time to work it out. And if you can't find that time to work out, where you cannot be spiritually healthy, then maybe you should find a different line of work.
1: Well, you'll burn out yeah, and you'll burn then it yeah, exactly. won't be good to anybody. Yeah. So I think that, and, and sometimes, you know, I hear people asking about work life balance, but they're really in the wrong job. Yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. can't find the balance because they're in the wrong job.
0: You know, you gotta love your job. You do. You gotta love the work that yeah. you do. There are and, parts of your job where you have to find energy from.
1: That's right. Yeah. And if you can't, then maybe you need another job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's been, I guess, a better way to put it, yeah. You also talk about the difference between titles and doing the work, and I think that this leans into just what we were talking about, about uh, wanting a job just because it sounds good and the ambition, but then doing the work. And And you've said that you, you didn't want to be president just so you could be president. It was You were, you were almost coaxed in, into that job that you were happy. Seduced. Seduced. <laughs>
1: Do you remember in E.T. when mm-hmm. the, the little girl was able to get and come in with Reese's Pieces? Yeah. That's how I got into leadership, little
0: Reese's Pieces. And that's funny. Next
1: thing I knew, there I was.
0: But, but I think that's a really important quote, the, the difference between titles and doing the work, because um, if you're happy in every position you're in, you're doing good work, and then the accolades will come. Mm-hmm obviously, that's what you've done in, in your career.
1: Well, other opportunities came. I would I would be in a job, and I really loved it. And mm-hmm. if you love your job, you're going to do good work. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another said, well, we have this one more little, it's just a, one little recess piece <laughs> <laughs> more. And uh, the next thing you know, here you are, our president. But every now and then, I'll hear people, especially in, I'm, I recommend people for jobs all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. always trying to find a good fit for, for folks that I know who are, who are looking, but if they answer, "I've always wanted to be a university president," I would stop them right there, yeah. because that doesn't show a commitment to the work that we do. Yeah. And that—that's uh, a, a kind of like I want to be a movie star. <laughs> it's it's, it's glamorous, kidding. but it's not—it's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. 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 Have you, uh, have you had mentors through your career or more encouragers?
1: In, I had encouragers. I, I can't think of anyone that you know. I sat at their feet and yeah. learned, learned from. But I did have people that at just the right time mm-hmm. it, saw something in me. And it might have only taken five minutes. They said, hey, you need to go try this. I think you'd, I think you'd be good. Yeah. Call me if I can help. And they didn't guide me through. They just gave me an idea because I was going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very helpful. And I think when I got in kind of on the track to a presidency, it was because the man who was then the president here, mm-hmm. we were the last two people at the lunch table one day. Just, and he was always just complimentary of his leadership and We had done something in the college that he liked, and he complimented me, and I thanked him. And he said, you know, you'd be a good president. I said, yeah, hush, go on, go on. And he (laughs) said, no, really. But then he said, but we've taught you all we can teach you here. And you need to go some other places and learn some other things. And that was the most generous advice. Would it take him three minutes? And six months later, I was gone. Mm-hmm. And I was provost at another institution. And then three years after that, I was in my first presidency. Mm-hmm. So he lost a dean. But but that, but that that's very much part of the culture here, too. We have a lot of people that we have launched.
0: So you, you touched on something there uh, important. The idea of somebody who's very valuable in your organization that you see has great potential. And you know that it'll hurt your organization by then leaving. But you want them to fly.
1: Yes, We try, and and sometimes the most frustrating thing is when you've got this person that's ready to launch and you don't have a position for them. There's there's no more room for them to grow here. And you have to let them fly. But they leave you better than they found you. And they leave us in a place where we're going to probably, you keep thinking, oh, I'll never replace them. And then somebody better comes down mm-hmm. because of what they built. And so you have to you kind of have faith.
0: What you show the people in your organization of, of what they can do and, and the, the benefit of um, of doing your job well—it's um, a culture. It's an entire culture. Very
1: year. much, and right. we do it with our students. Yeah. we do it with our, but with our employees as well and and our coworkers. Is you want them to do well, we want to launch them. And be the best they can be, yeah. and if they, but if if you force people to stay, and they have had, you mm-hmm. know that ability, then they just get kind of bitter, yeah. and turn on you. <laughs> I'm joking.
0: No, it's you know the person I learned that from um, was General Milley, who's the attorney of Joint Chief of Staff. I worked for him in the mm-hmm. Pentagon, and we used to call it, it was like a Roman slave ship. And mm-hmm. you'd say, roll well and live. You serve. Uh, you you you. What was it?" Um, Anyway, that was our our motto, you roll well and live. And he let people go at the detriment to the organization if he thought that they would grow and they would do better. Mm -hmm. And we would all cover for them. And I learned just the importance of of letting people do that. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Very, very important. So President Saunders, this has been awesome. We started with your mom and the influence your mom had. And we're all about understanding the influences that you had in your life as a leader. I think it's fitting then to finish with the other half of the story, which is your father. So tell us the influence that your father had on you. My
1: my dad was a lot of fun, but what I loved most about him, I would come home was he would help me visualize whatever harebrained idea I had. For example, I came home one day and I said, dad, I want to be an opera singer and I, I was taking music lessons and was a pretty good singer and rather than just saying well that's a great idea good luck kid he would stop and and say yes and he said and the day and he but he would paint the picture for me it was always he would say the day you open at the metropolitan opera now remember this is i'm living in the swamps of mississippi New York City is about as far away and and glamorous as anything we could imagine. He said, "Uh, I'm gonna, Mama and I are gonna be there. And I'm gonna buy Mama a long dress and opera glasses so she can see you real good. And then the next week I was gonna be a cowgirl. But it was all, he would stop and paint the picture. And I think if I can do that in leadership, then I will have. Then I will have done it. It's sometimes it's hard to paint the picture for people, but if you can, uh, they'll
0: they'll serve you well. I love that. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that because that's such a beautiful picture about what leadership is all about. It's it's showing people what they're capable of. It's not cutting them down. It's building them up. That's that's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Today. Thank
1: you for inviting this me. This was fun.
0: All right, everybody. We will catch you next time.